Uh, today we uh, come to the last message in our Unshakable series. Been looking at the life of the prophet Daniel. We haven't been looking at his prophecies. We have been looking at the test that Daniel faced in his life. Because the test that Daniel faced in his life are the same tests that you and I are going to face in our life. And Daniel passed the tests. And if we can learn to pass the test like he did, our lives can become unshakable. Because this is how life works. You are either in a crisis, or you have just come out of a crisis, or you are about to go into a crisis you don't even know about yet. Okay? So that's where you're at. And we could do a show of hands, but we're not going to do that. But you're either in a crisis, you've just come out of one, or you're about to go into one. And so we have got to learn how to pray in a crisis. And that's what Daniel shows us today. Daniel shows us six steps to follow when we want to pray prayers that get answered. So on your notes, on the screen, here we go. Number one, I have to let God speak to me before I speak to him. I let God speak to me before I speak to him. This principle you need to understand is that God is the initiator. We are the responder. God never, God never expects you to make the first move. God's, God makes the first move. Uh, in fact, the Bible says we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. We serve him. Why? Because he served us by sending his son to die for us. We give to him. Why? Because he first gave to us. We wouldn't have anything to give him if he hadn't given it to us first because we got nothing on our own. And, and God will never ask you to do something that he hasn't already done for you. God doesn't ever say to you, hey, personally, I've never done this, but why don't you give it a shot and see how it goes? No, God is always the initiator. We are the responder, and that's true even with prayer. You know, we think, oh, I'm starting the conversation with God. No, the reason we talk to God in prayer is because God talked to us first in this book. You know, prayer starts with us listening to God by reading his word because it's in here that we find out why we should pray, when we should pray, where we should pray, who we pray to, how we pray. I mean, this is where we figure out about prayer. It starts with God's word. You know, our theme this year has been the two wings of the Christian life. We want you to soar in the Christian life. and The two wings are prayer and the word. And so prayer starts by listening to God in his word. When we started this series, Daniel was 15 years old. As we conclude the series, Daniel is now 85 years old. He has gone through test after test after test after test. Now, Daniel served three pagan kings, three pagan empires, and he's not only survived, he's thrived. He's gotten promoted all the way through. In fact, at 85, he is now second in the kingdom. But Daniel wants to go home. He wants to go home to Jerusalem. And he knows that God said that the Jews would be held captive in Babylon for 70 years and then God would bring his people back to Israel. And Daniel knows, time's up. He's been marking on his wall at his 6970. He knows that the time is up. But he also knows that the Israelites have not turned back to God. And so he's concerned, he's afraid that God is going to leave them in Babylon. And so that's his crisis in Daniel chapter 9. It says, In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom. 
In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. Daniel understood from the scriptures. Daniel knew that according to the word of the Lord. See, the more time you spend in this book, the more prayers you're going to have answered. Because this book is going to tell you what to pray, when to pray, how to pray, who to pray to, where to pray. Jesus said in John 15, 7, he says, If you stay connected to me and my words remain in your heart, you may ask any request you want in prayer and it will be given to you. Stay connected to me and my words remain in your heart. You meet those two conditions. You can ask whatever you want in prayer, and, and Jesus says it'll be given to you. So, if I'm praying and I don't get an answer, you ever had that happen? I'm praying about something and I'm not getting an answer. I need to check and see is there anything that has disconnected me? From God. Is there any sin in my life? Is there a wrong I need to make right? Is there something I need to confess? Is there a habit I need to break? Is there something I need to give up? Because I got to restore that connection if my prayer is going to get answered. And Jesus also says, I got to, his words have to remain in my heart. And so I got to ask myself, I mean, I'm praying about this, but am I reading what God has to say about this prayer in his word? Am I hiding his words in my heart? And last week we learned that Daniel had the regular habit of reading the Bible and praying three times a day. No wonder the guy was unshakable because he'd done this for his whole life. He had had over 75,000 conversations with God. Would your life be any different than it is now if you had a regular, daily conversations with God? How would your life be different if you were connected to God through his word and through prayer? Daniel's worried about the crisis in his life, and so he, he goes to the word. He starts reading in Jeremiah. Daniel is a, a prisoner prophet in Babylon, but Jeremiah is back in the defeated and destroyed city of Jerusalem. But Daniel has access to the prophecies of Jeremiah, and so he's reading those. Jeremiah 29, for thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. And, and we're familiar with this passage here at Rockbrook. It's been one of our foundational verses for years. We got a song we sing that, you know, for I know, you know, I mean, it's the, we love that passage. But unfortunately, we leave off the last phrase. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. God says, I got a plan and a purpose for your life. But it's not automatic. In fact, you can miss God's plan and purpose for your life. I would venture to say most people miss God's plan and purpose for their life. And it's tragic. And as your pastor, I don't want you to miss it. I don't want that to happen. But you've got to understand there are two factors to finding and fulfilling God's plan and purpose for your life. God's timing and my praying. 
And you've got to have both. It's the relationship between God's sovereignty and my human responsibility. God determines the timing of his plan and purpose for your life. But when the timing is right, you've got to be connected with him in prayer so he can communicate to you and so you can ask him to do it. I mean, God's not going to force this on you. It's, going to, it's got to happen as part of a conversation in prayer. And that brings a quandary into your life that you've gone through before. Maybe you're in it right now. You know, I, I, I have this, this dream. I, I have this vision of something that God wants me to do in my life, but it hasn't happened yet. So, am I waiting on God, or is God waiting on me? You know? Well, if I've prayed, I've asked God to show me what he wants to do in my life, if I've confessed and forsaken my sin, if I am connected to Jesus Christ, if I'm reading the Bible, hiding his word in, the, in my heart, listening to what God has to say, and I don't have the answer yet, then I'm waiting on God. I'm waiting on God's timing, and I just need to be patient. But if I've got something that God uh, wants me to do, that God's speaking into my life, but I've never confessed and forsaken my sin, I've got habits I'm holding on to that I shouldn't be holding on to, if I'm disconnected from God because of some disobedience, if I'm neglecting the Bible and prayer, I'm not listening to God, then God is waiting on you. I've got to let God speak to me through his word. Second step in prayer is I focus my attention on God. Daniel 9.3 says, I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him. Circle the phrase, I turned my face. Husbands, let me just give you a little marriage tip here. Whenever your wife starts talking to you, turn your face to look at her. Seriously, you do that, you know what you'll discover? You'll discover she likes it. Not only does she like it, she loves it. Same's true with your kids. You know, I remember when my kids were little, you know, they'd, they'd, they'd be talking to me, trying to, and maybe I'd be holding them or they're sitting on my lap, and I just remember them grabbing my face and turning it to their, I mean, they want eye-to-eye contact. Dad, look at me. Everybody loves it. Everybody loves it when you do that. Because when you give people your attention, you're giving them the highest gift you've got because your attention is your life. The same is true with God. God longs for you to turn your face to Him in prayer, to physically look up to Him. I love it in the Lord's Prayer when Jesus says, Our Father who art in heaven. I love that phrase when I pray the Lord's Prayer because it just speaks to me of the transcendence, just the upness of God. And I just, I love it in prayer just to look up. The Bible doesn't tell you you've got to close your eyes and bow your head when you pray. It's a legitimate posture in prayer. In fact, it can remove distractions. But it's also perfectly appropriate. See it over and over again in Scripture. People looking up, eyes wide open, talking out loud to God. You turn your attention to God. Daniel said, I gave my attention to the Lord to seek him by prayer. Amos 5.4, God says, seek me and you will live. You're not just going to exist, you will live. Proverbs 8.17, God says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me will find me. If you can't find God, seek him. 
But you've got to seek him the right way. Jeremiah 29, 13, you will find me when you seek me. How? With all your heart. Hebrews eleven six says God rewards those who earnestly seek him. You want God to reward your business? Earnestly seek him. You want God to reward your marriage? Earnestly seek him. You got, want God's blessing on your kids? Earnestly seek him. Jesus said, Luke 12, 31, seek first God's kingdom before everything else. And all the other things you need will be given to you. And so I want you to ponder this. Maybe, maybe a lot of the pain you're in right now, the difficulties, the stress, the pressure, the trouble, maybe the stuff you're facing right now, you're facing it because you did not seek God. Maybe you didn't ask God before you got into that relationship. Maybe you didn't ask God before you acquired that debt. Maybe you didn't ask God before you took that job. You didn't seek his guidance, his wisdom, his permission. You just decided and went on and did it. And now when the decision blows up on you, it doesn't work out as planned, now you're praying for God to fix it. How many of our prayers are prayers where we're pleading with God to fix situations that he never wanted us in in the first place? If we just would have sought his wisdom, his guidance, asked his permission, he would have spoken into our life and prevented us from that heartache. But what does God do when you don't seek him? God doesn't barge in. No, God just backs off and says, okay, have it your way. Try that. See how it works for you. Get back with me. That's what happens in Hosea 5. You know, God says, I will return to my place on high and wait until they acknowledge their offenses and feel their guilt and seek my face. Then in their troubles and distress, they will earnestly seek me, saying, let us return to the Lord so that he may heal us. You know, that's a description of many of our lives. That's a description of our country and our culture. That's a description of the condition the world's in. We haven't sought God's plan and purpose. We haven't sought his wisdom, his guidance, or his permission. We just decided to do what we wanted to do. And now that we're in a mess, we're crying out, God, help us. We're in distress in our lives, in our marriages, in our finances, in our world. I mean, could it be we could have avoided all of that if we would have sought God in the first place? But no, we just went ahead and made a decision. And now we have to return to the Lord. Never should have left him. We have to return to the Lord and ask him to heal us. Let me put a, a, a more positive way for you. If you were to line out how you would like your life to be, if you were to paint a picture of how you would like your life to look in the days, in the year ahead. Would it be worth the time to seek God to see how you ought to get there? Would it be worth seeking God's wisdom, guidance, even his permission about the steps it takes to fulfill that vision that you have? To even ask God, is that the vision you have for my life? You do it, it'll save you a lot of pain, discouragement, heartache i got to focus my attention on God and seek Him. Too often we think prayer is us bossing God around and telling Him what He needs to do. Our prayers need to be asking God to guide and direct 
and tell us what to do. Third step in prayer. I express my desires with emotion. Have you learned that you can say the right words with the wrong emotion and people don't get it? You know, you, you, you can say all the right things, but if you've got the wrong tone in your voice, they don't think you mean it, they think you mean something else. You know, God is an emotional God. The reason you have emotions is because you're made in the image and likeness of God. The Bible says God gets happy, God gets sad, God gets angry. The reason you can get sad, happy, and angry is because you're made in the image and likeness of God. God gets jealous when he sees us loving something other than him. That's why you get jealous, because you're made in the image and likeness of God. God gets frustrated when he sees us wandering off, going our own way, doing our, doing our own thing. It frustrates God. God is an emotional God. God doesn't just love you. God has deep, deep, passionate love for you. And God, when you pray, God wants you to express your deep emotion for him. Tone makes a difference when you ask, even when you're asking God. You're, you're, you're passionate, intense. It shows, it shows how much something means to you. And if you ask God for something and you're not passionate about it, God goes, so is this just a wish? Is it a whim? Or is this a cry of your heart? Which is it? Daniel says, so I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition. Pleading, praying, petitioning. That's, that's asking with emotion. Message paraphrase says, I poured out my heart, bearing my soul to God. You ever pour out your heart to God? You ever bear your soul to God? God, I got to have your help in this business. God, I've got to have your help in this marriage. I've got to have your help with this kid or I don't know what I'm going to do. You pour out your heart. When's the last time you prayed like that? I can tell you when it was. It was when you were in pain, when you were in need, when you were in trouble. We don't pray like that when things are going great. But when things are going bad, you pour your heart out to God. Daniel is pleading, petitioning, pouring his heart out, bearing his soul to God. What's he pleading about? He says, God, I'm 85 years old. I've spent almost my entire life serving pagan kings in a foreign land. But I've kept my integrity. I did not deny my faith. But God, I want to go home. I want to go home. And Jeremiah had predicted that after 70 years of captivity, Babylon would fall and then the people of God would start praying and pleading with God to go back home. Jeremiah 54, then my people will join together in tears. That's emotional praying. To seek the Lord. And they will ask the way to Jerusalem and they will start back home again. To me, that's one of the most touching, most hopeful verses in the Bible. They, they, they have asked God. We're in tears. We're asking you. We don't even know how to get there. Will you show us the way home? That's a prayer we need to pray in our day. We have gotten so far off from where God wants us to be. We, we have gotten so disconnected from him, so distracted, so busy. We have wandered so far away. God, I need you to show me the way back home. It's emotional praying. You know, when my people join together in tears, 
I mean, you see the same stuff on TV I see. You read the same newspapers I read. You see what's going on in our nation, in the world. Is there anything about that that breaks your heart? Do the things that break the heart of God break your heart? Not just so you can gripe or tweet about it. No, so you plead and you petition and you cry out to God, God, we need your help. Fourth key. So I've got to demonstrate my seriousness. And Daniel mentions three ways that he signals his serious to God. And two of them are cultural. We don't do them anymore. But the third one is a spiritual discipline that we still practice today. Daniel says, I started fasting and went without food. To show my sadness, I put on rough clothes and sat in ashes. And nobody sits in sackcloth with ashes on their head today. Maybe we should. But we do still fast. Fasting is a spiritual discipline that people practice today. And Jesus said there are some miracles that happen with prayer and fasting, not just prayer. Sometimes prayer alone is not enough. You've got to step up to the plate and you've got to demonstrate to God that you're serious about this request. And one of the ways you do that is through fasting. Moses fasted before he received the Ten Commandments. The nation of Israel fasted before they went into major battles. Daniel fasted in order to receive guidance from God. Nehemiah fasted before he began <clears throat> rebuilding Jerusalem's walls. Esther fasted before she gained victory over her enemies. Jesus fasted uh, so he could get victory over temptation. The first Christians fasted whenever they had to make decisions. You and I need to fast when we make serious requests to God. And it may be as simple as skimping breakfast or lunch and spending that time in prayer. It may be two or three days where you go without food, you keep yourself hydrated with water and juices, but you give up food, you spend that time that you would have spent preparing and eating the food in prayer. It may be for an extended period, 21 or even 40, I've done 40-day fasts, where you eliminate certain things from your life to say, God, I'm really, really serious about this. God answers serious prayer. And fasting's a way to let God know that you're serious. Fifth step. You want your prayer to get answered, you've got to thank God for his love and promises. You've got to acknowledge that God is good and gracious. Daniel 9, 4, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. God keeps his word. Verse 9, the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. You just got to tell God, God, I recognize it. We're, we're rebellious, I'm unfaithful, I'm sinful, but you're faithful, you're, you're righteous, you're gracious, you're merciful, you're good. Sixth step, I humbly confess my sin. I admit my sin to God. And you may think, you know, if I admit my sin to God, then he's going to know about it and he's going to punish me for it. Okay? God already knows about it. God already knows about all of your sins, even the ones you do in secret. God doesn't need you to confess it or admit it because he needs to know about it. He needs you to confess it and admit it because he needs to know that you agree with him that it's sin. Because he can't forgive you until you do that. 
God can't forgive you until you, you, in agreement, you say with him, I'm calling this sin, sin. Because if you're not in agreement with him on it, you're just rationalizing it, excusing it, hiding it. You're going to keep doing it. And God can't forgive you if that's your attitude. He can't help you overcome it until you confess it. Daniel says, we have sinned and done wrong. And then he gets very specific about their sins. You need to get specific when you confess your sin. He says, we've sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous. But this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, in all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you, we and our kings, our princes, and our ancestors are covered with shame. Lord, because we've sinned against you, we have brought disgrace and shame on ourselves because we've been unfaithful to you. This is true of all of us, including our kings, leaders, and parents. Daniel says, we're all to blame. This isn't a generational thing. You know, he's 15 when all of this happened. He could have just pointed at previous generation and cursed them. And oh, they're... No, he says, all of us. All of us. We paid no attention to you when you told us how to live. The clear teaching that came through your prophets. God, you told us what was right and wrong. You told us what was morally good and morally bad. We didn't listen. We just did whatever we wanted to do. And the that behavior has consequences. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, God's word told them what was going to happen if they did this. All this disaster has come on us. Yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. We're not listening to the word. The Lord our God did not hesitate to bring the disaster on us for the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does Yet we have not obeyed him. And then Daniel sums up the dilemma in verse 16. He says, now all the other nations mock us. Any of that sound familiar? And Daniel knows we don't deserve God's blessing. And he throws himself on the grace of God. Oh God, listen to me and hear my request. We do not ask because we deserve help, but because you are so merciful. You know, we don't pray and ask God to help us because we're so worthy. We deserve his help. <laughs> no, we don't deserve it. He just loves to give it. He's just merciful and gracious. He'll show you the way back home if you cry out to him. Here's God's response to Daniel. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill, that's the city of Jerusalem, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I'd seen in the earlier vision, and Gabriel is actually not a man, he's an archangel. He's the angel that came and spoke to Mary about Jesus' birth. Gabriel came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. He says, I'm going to answer your prayer. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. 
As soon as you began to pray, a word went out, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. While Daniel's praying, God moves to answer his prayer because he prayed a prayer that gets answered. Now, this prayer that Daniel prayed, it's not unique to Daniel. I mean, we see this pattern of prayer throughout Scripture. In fact, uh, th- these same qualities are, are present in a very familiar prayer in 2 Chronicles 7.14. It's one of the most famous promises, one of the most famous prayers in the Bible. Unfortunately, it's also one of the most often misused and misquoted. You know, 2 Chronicles 7.14 is not a promise to America. It, it is a promise. It's not a promise to any specific nation. It's a promise to God's people. And God's people live in every nation. It's a promise for, for you and me, for believers, wh- wherever we live. It says, it, it, God says, if you'll do these four things, I'll respond with three things. You do four things, meet four conditions, I'll respond with three things. He says, if my people who are called by my name, it's the believers, it's the believers who've got to call. If they will humble themselves, that's confession, and pray, that's pleading with emotion, and seek my face, you turn your attention to God, and turn from their wicked ways, that's repentance. If you do those four things, God says, I'll respond. And I will hear from heaven, that's answered prayer. I will forgive their sins, that's grace and mercy. And I will heal their land, that's God's blessing. We're moving into fall season, summer's about over. We're moving into our fall semester of small groups. We've got a, a growth track dream team push that's coming we're firing up our ministry activities. And, and it's my desire that as a church family that we would make prayer a key part of all that we do. Prayer and the word. If we're going to soar, we need both those wings. And so uh, Tom and Patrick, they're, you, know, you small group leaders, you dream team coaches, they're, they're asking you to pray for the people in your small group. Pray for the people on your team every day by name. Can you imagine the power that would be unleashed around here if we prayed like this for everybody in our small group and everybody on our dream team? Would you imagine if we all got plugged into a small group and all started praying prayers like this for each other and with each other and about each other? I mean, it is amazing what could happen. God will hear from heaven and he will heal. He will heal your marriage. He'll heal your business. He'll heal your body. He'll heal our land. But we got a call. we got a call on his name. Let's pray together. I'd invite you just in this moment right now. It says, if my people who are called by my name, and I would invite you, if you've never received Jesus Christ, if you've never been named by the name of Christ, this is your opportunity. Call out to him. He'll save you. He'll make you his child. And God says that if we, his children will humble themselves, God, we, we just say, God, I admit it. I blew it. I did not seek you. I made a bunch of decisions. And now I'm asking for forgiveness. I need your help. And God, I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek your face. God, you have my attention. I am looking to you. I am earnestly seeking you. I am calling, pleading, petitioning you. 
God, you said turn from their wicked ways and so I'm confessing my sin. God, I'm forsaking my sin. I'm repenting of my sin. Give me victory over my sin. I don't want any barrier between me and you. God, I want to be connected with you. And God, you said you'll hear from heaven. You'll answer my prayer. God, you'll forgive my sin. Thank you that you're a loving God who forgives every one of my sins. Cast them as far as the east is from the west. God, you said you'll heal their land and I need that healing. God, I need you to heal my business. I need you to heal my marriage. I need the relationship with my kids restored. God, I need my friendships restored. I need my body healed and restored. And God, I thank you. Thank you for the hope that you offer me of answered prayer. In Jesus' name we pray.